Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I know if you're watching live, there are a lot of headlines breaking today. And as many of you who watch the show or listen to the show frequently know, this is like a Taylor Swift album. I drop Easter eggs all in this show, and it's basically stuff I cannot outright tell you, but I'm kind of trying to tell you. And if you've picked up on some of the Easter eggs surrounding Chip Kelly on this show, it probably doesn't shock you to know he reportedly interviewed for the Raiders OC position as of five minutes ago. It looks like he may interview for the Washington Commanders OC position. Uh, Chip Kelly wants out of L.A., and so we've sprinkled that throughout the show. I can promise you this. There will be an intentionally worded phrase that I give you in tonight's show that has to do with something along those lines as well. There you go. Pay attention, kids. Late Kick Live. It is jam-packed high atop a tents downtown Nashville, Tennessee. NCAA cloud looming over the collective state that we reside in. Thursday, February 1st. The year of our Lord, 2024. How could we jam-pack a college football show in February? Well, watch us. The NCAA, man. Oh, no. We'll lead with it tonight. We'll talk about it. I got some OU in Texas in the show tonight for very different reasons. I have got coaches unhappy. Are they whining? Are they complaining a little bit too much? Is it all valid? What do I think about this? And are there some choruses being sung out there collectively that are kind of tired already? Uh, maybe even some I've participated in. We will discuss LSU. They're back in the show tonight. No further context needed. Also, all these schools, UCLA included, all these schools about to join the Big Ten, where do they fit? Like, what row on the bus will Oregon occupy and Washington and USC and UCLA? We're going to talk about it all. They're watching us in Canton, Ohio, Dahlonega, Georgia. Golden little place down there in Dahlonega. Greenville, South Carolina, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Thank you guys so much. A quick, a quick little flare that I'm going to send up here. I'm talking to SIDs. I'm talking to head coaches, uh, um, directors of content. Whomstever's listening to the show, the Pate State Speaker Series will be back on the road this spring. 
I want to go to several campuses, campi, the plural of campuses. Uh, I am looking for one-on-one sit-downs with head coaches and whoever else wants to talk in the program, and we are looking to execute live shows from your campus, preferably in your facility or around your facility somewhere. That's the ask. Attending a practice that day is ideal, but that's the ask. So we'll, we'll fill it up pretty quick. Um, we did it last year. We're going to do it even more this year. So I'm giving you a heads up because we got a lot of complaints last year. How come you didn't hit us up? I'm giving you an opportunity now. Hit us up. You know how to get in touch with me, and we will take all submissions. Okay, let's dive into the show tonight. So the NCAA kind of poked Tennessee with a stick, and Tennessee pulled out a sledgehammer, man. Tennessee uh, had a pool, and the NCAA had been diving into the shallow end the last few times against them, and they had no clue, the NCAA, that they dove into the deep end this time. I cannot believe we're going to do this. But we're going to do something in just a second that's normally reserved strictly for the regular season. But first, before Colin plays that track, just remember where we're at here. The NCAA didn't announce themselves the other day they were investigating Tennessee. They used essentially a spokesperson, um, or as you might know them, national college football writers, to announce that, hey, we're investigating Tennessee. Tennessee, about 15 minutes later, issued a scathing rebuttal, which the NCAA collectively looked at and said, "Uh uh-oh, they're not taking this like they took the Pruitt sanctions. Yeah, well, that's because those were valid, and according to Tennessee, these are not. So Dondi Plowman, the chancellor there, the other day you saw that she came out and said, "Uh, we're calling BS on this, and the NCAA, you know, like spilled wine all over the front of their shirts. And then today... We had Danny White, who's the athletic director. He came out, and look at how fancy and pretty the graphic looks. We actually broke out the color printer for this. We have an orange-clad statement from Danny White, because Danny White looked around and said, hold on, Dondi Plowman made her statement, and Danny White said, hold my orange. And he made his own statement. Colin, the Sarah McLaughlin special of February is Danny White's response to the NCAA. Follow me, kids. The NCAA, in Danny White's words, generally doesn't comment on infractions cases. Because there's a rule against it. However, that has not stopped them in the past from leaking info to the media as they did this week about us. This is where it gets really good. Their actions made this ill-conceived investigation public and forced us to defend ourselves. It is clear the NCAA staff does not understand what's happening at the campus level. Truth. Truth bomb there. Uh, That's me talking. We continue all over the country in the NIL space either. After reviewing thousands of Tennessee coach and personnel phone records, NCAA investigators didn't find a single NIL violation, so they moved the goalpost to fit a predetermined outcome. That doesn't sound like the NCAA we know. Continuing, they're stating that the nebulous, contradictory NIL guidelines written by the NCAA, not the membership, don't matter, and they're applying the old booster bylaws to collectives. If that's the case, then 100% of the major programs in college athletics have significant violations. This is obviously silly and not productive, as is blaming the membership whenever they're challenged. We need to be spending our time and energy on solutions to better organize college athletics, blah, 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 blah. Okay, uh, so basically what you're seeing here is pretty unprecedented. It used to be when the NCAA came after you, you just bent over and you had to take it. Didn't even matter if you thought you were innocent. It was like this monster behind the curtain. Somewhere along the way, someone jerked the curtain down and you found out, no, the shadow looked like a monster. This is just a a little baby dragon or less. And um, all of a sudden, boy, when you just 
when you take away all the fog and the fancy lighting and the and the the CGI and you just look at what the NCAA is absent all that, it's not very impressive, is it? They don't have a leg to stand on in this case. Now, here's what I want to do. Okay, so I know everyone's banging on the NCAA right now. I want to put my pen down for just a second. And I do want to say, I've heard from a lot of you, and I've heard from some people in the college uh, administrative space, and they've said, hey, you need to be careful uh, because, yeah, everyone's banging on the NCAA, but a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. That's true. Okay, so I think this is one of those classic two things can be true at once deals where there's mob mentality that's taken over. It's always been popular to hate on the NCAA. So there's always this giant, very loud chorus of NCAA haterade. But if you turn everyone else's volume down real quick and just listen to individual voices, it's a lot of nothingness coming out of people's mouths. Like if I were to drill down and just pull one of you out who's screaming, death to the NCAA, screw the NCAA. I said, hey, what are your specific gripes? Well, they just suck. Okay. But specifically, what sucks about them? Well, they're just no good for college athletics. Yeah, but what is it? Like there are, there's a healthy chunk of people who are yelling at the clouds right now about the NCAA who could not give you specifics about what they dislike. But that doesn't mean that the NCAA hasn't become a corrupted kind of bygone organization that once upon a time served a much different purpose than they do now. It's just that maybe not everyone who feels that way can properly articulate it. I can articulate how I feel about the NCAA. So if anyone wants to challenge me on it, which two of my friends did uh, yesterday, my response is, I think the NCAA wants you to be dumb enough to open the book at chapter two. And chapter two of the book looks like the NCAA is enforcing rules that everyone asked them to make. And it's very much them having their hands tied behind their back because woe is me NCAA investigators are out here saying, well, you guys asked us to make these rules. Now we're trying to enforce them. And you're painting us as the devil. That sounds tough, doesn't it? In fact, if you didn't know any better, you'd look and say, dare I say the NCAA is the victim here? Well, you would if you were dumb enough to start on chapter two of the book, and they hope you are. We aren't. And so on this program, we generally like to start on chapter one of the book. Chapter one doesn't start yesterday, doesn't even start five years ago when things were already pretty messy. We can go back 20 years, guys. We can go back 20 years when some of the same folks occupying the same offices in that same organization in Indianapolis called the NCAA had an opportunity to make moves then. And you know how much they budged? Not an inch. And folks at the time, please don't try and whitewash history. Some forward-thinking people at the time, I remember being a kid. I remember being in high school and listening to this. We're saying, if you don't give a little bit now, you're going to have to pay a lot down the road. You're going to have to pay a lot. And they didn't budge because they didn't think they needed to. Okay, so that's chapter one, part one. And then chapter one, part two is come the mid-20-teens to late-20-teens, they panic because they're, they're, they're terrified and they're shook and the lights all of a sudden shone on them. And then they just boom, 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 made a bunch of rules all, all of a sudden. And then they kept changing them. And you've got folks in the administrative state within athletic departments saying, hold on, like, what, what are the rules today? And also, they overhauled like Portal and NIL and like 15 other things simultaneously. And it's like blowing up a dam. 
and then warning the people in the town down here after you've already blown up the dam, hey, water's coming. And then afterwards, the entire town swept away and you're like, well, we, we told them the water was coming. We gave them a warning. Really? Well, that's not exactly how the story should be told. So that's chapter one of the book, which makes chapter two fit in its proper context. Now, the other part that's happening right now is you've got a chorus of people who are very concerned about the future of college football and college athletics. I'm one of them, at least as far as it pertains to being concerned about the future of the sport. You got some other folks, though, who are concerned and they're saying, oh, really? Really, you want to go hate on the NCAA? Everyone wants to paint the NCAA as the boogeyman. What are you going to do when they're no longer around? Have you ever stopped to think that maybe without them, it'll be even more wild, wild west? I don't think there's a clear solution. Have never suggested otherwise. Also, you haven't heard me on this program or anywhere else say, let's just get rid of the NCAA tomorrow. Let's just abolish the entire organization. What I've said is it is a very mismanaged organization. Whose, whose goals now are ill-conceived and don't align with their true mission statement. Um, so I've, I've thought a total overhaul of procedure has been necessary there. They haven't been motivated to do it. I haven't felt the NCAA is out for the best interest of either student athletes, as they call them, or college athletics in general for quite a while. This happens in, in the bureaucratic state quite often. It's not strictly relegated to just college athletics, but it's happening in college athletics. But, but what do I think? Well, I don't think you get rid of an enforcement branch of any governing body and just put a period on the end of the sentence. You've got to have rules. You've got to have enforcement. You've got to have guardrails. I know that. And I have told you for quite a while, if this is a transitional period, where I think you need to head is from what you got now to a world where conferences are tasked with policing themselves, which I got a fair amount of pushback on the other day. Oh, conferences are never going to police themselves, Josh. Actually, conferences are more equipped to police themselves than the NCAA is. So let me tell you, let me tell you what the talk really is behind the scenes. The talk really is most, probably 95% of coaches or player personnel types, or even folks who can't go on the road and recruit, but work on the staffs. They say, we'd actually love for this, this, or this to, to just be outlawed and be heavily punished if it's found to be done. But since it's not, we kind of have to play ball on it. To give you a, a very, very small glimpse into much bigger conversations that are happening, I've never thought the NCAA possesses the ability to police that. The conferences do, though. And I'll also tell you this, being pretty vague about it, Conferences already police themselves. You just don't see it. Greg Sankey has a lot that is plopped in his lap on an annual basis that never makes it to NCAA headquarters because it is SEC business and it's one SEC program or coach gripe against another SEC program or coach and it's handled internally. That happens quite frequently. I think it could happen on a much broader scale. And I think it could happen in the Big Ten, and I think it could happen in the ACC. So anyway, this whole Tennessee NCAA thing, I don't think it's going to be the death of the NCAA. I don't think the NCAA is blowing up tomorrow. Don't think that at all. I just think there's going to be a radical overhaul of how we define what the NCAA does. And let me tell you one other word that no one ever mentions, and that's liability. Liability is a big reason the NCAA exists. Right now, 
if I'm playing football for Vanderbilt and I'm getting hurt or certain things happen to me or I'm involved in certain things and it gets litigious in nature, right now, that NCAA logo sometimes is the one that has to fit the bill for that. Sometimes is the one that has to stand up in front and take all the arrows. That's valuable. No one cares about it. If you're a fan, you don't care about that. But trust me, trust me, people in that administrative state, they do care about that. People at the conference level, they do care about that. The NCAA serves many more purposes than just governance and regulation. It's just that's the stuff we care about. So I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I just think it could be drastically overhauled. All right, let's continue. Oh, I spent 14 minutes talking about that. Let's continue. I was asking you guys a couple of weeks ago about what you thought the biggest story of this year could be. And you came with all sorts of different things, different odds and ends. And I wanted to touch on one of them here. We got a jam-packed show, by the way. We're going all over the place. I am monitoring a a situation to my left right now, or my right, your left, because it could be news breaking even tonight. But in the meantime, let's take a look at what this tweet said. All right, Colin, pop this up for me. This is, um, I'll read it, and then I'll, I'll respond to it. So Carl said, His biggest story of 2024 is Texas will go undefeated first year in the SEC and they'll win the first national championship of the 12-team playoff era. That would be a really big story. Really big story. Of course, we would get the Cant crowd out there. Cant culture, if you will. Cant culture uh, is currently focused on Sark and Texas because they can't focus on Harbaugh and Michigan anymore. Used to be Harbaugh can't win a big one at Michigan, and then he did. Turns out he could the whole time, he just hadn't. And now, can't culture has gone to Austin, Texas, and Sark can't get it done. Sark can't win a title. Well, of course he can, and he may very well do it. Maybe he'll do it this year. There are window teams, and there are mainstay teams. Uh, Think about Washington last year. Washington built over a couple of years stretch to a period where they could take their shot. TCU two years ago was a team that built over a multi-year period to take their shot. They almost won a title. Well, TCU got to the title game. Washington got there and was competitive. But in the end, the point is, those are not programs that are mainstay programs. They're not, they're not the reload over rebuild types. They do have to rebuild. Texas doesn't have to. Texas has entered that rarefied air in our sport where they can take their best shot And if they win a title, fine. If they lose to Washington in the semifinals, fine. They'll have an excellent chance to do it again the next year. So this could be an evergreen prediction. Keep saying it like predicting Saban's retirement. Keep predicting it every year because eventually you'll get it right. Keep predicting this because Texas is going to have a shot every year. But I will say the prediction wasn't just, oh, Texas is going to win the title. They're going to go undefeated and win the title. Now, that's, that's one, ironically, I have a tougher time getting on board with. You could probably sell me on Texas winning the title quicker than you could. Oh, they're going to go undefeated. This whole concept of going undefeated has started to be taken for granted because a lot of teams did it. Over the past decade or so, we had multiple undefeated national champs. And it's not easy to do. I don't care how easy teams made it look. It's not easy to do. And especially with either Big Ten or SEC teams, the increase in difficulty level of your random schedule any given year, and then combine that with what you got to go through in the playoff. Now, obviously, the champ will be undefeated in the playoff, 
But I'm a believer that what it's going to take to make it through that playoff actually could be paired up with putting yourself in the best possible position to do by suffering a loss during the season. And that's not always the case, but those teams that lose and have no margin for error or, or far less margin for error, we've seen sometimes, we've seen them fall off a cliff, but other times we've seen them really surge at the end of the year. Nobody is mentioning something now that they used to mention all the time with Steve Sarkeesian. I'm going to put on some lip balm. Like, do you, do you remember? How about um, coconut and pear, Burt's Bees, by the way. Still not paying a dime for advertisement, but I'm that in love with the uh, flavors they've got right now. You know what I haven't heard lately? I haven't heard anything about Sark's time at Washington. I haven't heard anything about Sark's time at Southern Cal. I haven't heard anything about his brief stint with the Falcons. I haven't heard anything about his off-the-field issues. And the reason I haven't heard those things is because they're winning. In other words, they're doing things, and he's doing things at Texas that I was told he can't do. And I'm very happy about it because I have an age-old theory on the show that what has been doesn't always have to be what will be or what is. I am a believer that sometimes the more, the more talented and the more driven amongst us tend to learn lessons from doing it the wrong way or doing it the less effective way. And they are the least motivated to ever try and do it that way again if they get other opportunities. Sark is very good. He is a rare commodity as an offensive mind. Okay, so he's going to get more opportunities than your average guy or girl would. What's he done with them? He's made the most of it. So that alone makes me happy. If it, if it correlates with them winning it all in 2024, so be it. Championship is where, Jesse? Atlanta? I think he, they had such a shot this past year. Think about how perfectly it lined up for Texas. You got the semifinal in New Orleans against a team that's halfway to Alaska, and then you've got the final in Houston. Uh, it didn't happen. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Hey, by the way, getting a lot of love on the eye, Josh, for the coconut and pear. Jesse, e email Burt's Bees. Email them. Yes, we've got other partners here, but man, we're giving them some run for free. Now, as for partners that actually do truck with us, namely Academy Sports and Outdoors, it could be in my best interest to go in there and see if they actually sell this stuff later tonight. But I digress. I know what they do sell. They do sell a lot of stuff that you need. So it was brought to my attention today by one of you that the other day, like Tuesday, 48 hours ago, I sat right here during this portion of the show and I said, spring is coming. And I believe my words were, you know, as well as I do, there's going to be a nice 62 degree day out of nowhere in the not too distant future that reminds you spring is on the way. And somebody somewhere today had a 62 degree day just happen upon them. And they took a picture of the thermometer in their dashboard and they posted it and reminded me which is good because I forget a lot of what I say. I talk a lot, so I've learned to tune myself out. Uh, Kelly Kapoor, The Office. And so I told you guys, it, it happens every year. I'm 100% accurate in predicting when spring is going to come. Always nail it. And uh, no kids, coaches, or officials can screw that one up. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, uh, this is not their official tagline, but why not? It's your spring headquarters. Go in there. Be active this year. And if you already are, be more active. I personally may find myself in the market for a bicycle. Said I was going to do it last year. May actually do it this year. 
And I don't want to hear from the bike snobs, okay? I'm not looking to uh, win the Tour de France, but I may look to win the Tour de Germantown, and maybe I'll go to Academy Sports and Outdoors to pick up that bike. Academy.com, if you can't get there in person, we thank them so much for making the show free of charge to you, the viewer and listener. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's continue. Um, so I, I did want to touch on this in the show, Immunity. Jeff Halfley left Boston College last night. I know vast majorities of you are not Boston College fans, but I'm telling you this matters for you, but maybe, maybe not the reasons that you think. Okay, so Jeff Halfley, there was a headline late last night. He's leaving for the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator spot. Now, I was pretty lazy on this, I'll admit to you. I have talked about us having a chronic problem in this sport of good coaches looking to get out, and I do not know Jeff Halfley, and I've never met him, and so I blindly looked at the situation and said, that must be what it is. He must have been looking to get out, and it must be nothing more than that. Now, some more informed people on the matter have since said, no, maybe not in this case. That point was standing. This particular case looks like a guy who just got a better opportunity with more money and it was more attractive to him, and maybe he wanted to get to the NFL, and maybe he wasn't on such solid ground at Boston College anyway. Okay. I also think, for the second time in the show, could be a two-things-are-true situation. Jeff Halfley may not have hit the exit door, contrary to sourced reports out there, because he hates college football, but some other guys may be looking to. So that doesn't mean we don't have an issue in the sport. It just means it may not have been the trigger mechanism for Jeff Halfley leaving. But since a lot of folks have been talking about this, kind of like the NCAA stuff, I did want to circle back to this. You know this is a drum we've been beating on this show for a long time. And I, I'm going to continue to beat the drum because I think it's valid. But every time I talk about the plight of the college football coach right now, most of you agree with it. And you, if you don't like sympathize with it, at least you get it. But there is a, a healthy amount of you who say, I cannot feel sorry for people who make millions of dollars, even though most of them don't, by the way. Not, it's, we're not just talking about head coaches here, guys. But you say, I can't feel sorry for guys who make a ton of money. 
I can't feel sorry for guys who coach a game for a living while I do this, this, or that for a living. And I get the sentiment. I get that. But there is also a course a lot of you seeing, and you say, they're just whining. Uh, you're going to have to work hard if you're, a, if you're a coach in college football. That's what I've had some of you say to me. Now, I want to say, because uh, I've referenced this a lot on the show tonight, I respect all of your opinions. I don't have to agree with them. You don't, you, none of you agree all the time with me. That's fine. This particular one, though, I think is really misguided. Because I talked to a lot of coaches about this. None of them are afraid of hard work. If they were, that'd be a totally different thing, and I would not mislead you on that, uh, because trust me, there are some of them out there who are probably more cut out for life in another line of of business. But in this particular case, I'm talking about guys who grind and would work 25 hours in a day if you'd give it to them. It's not the work that they're afraid of. It's the fact that they kind of don't recognize the game anymore, and change is not always progress. And that's the case in college football right now. You want to know the thing that coaches complain about the most? They don't coach. They don't coach. The least amount of the little pie chart of their time spent in a given year is coaching football. You're a defensive line coach. What would I think you do? I think you coach defensive linemen. I think you spend vast majorities of your time evaluating the position. I think you spend time honing your players' crafts. That's a fantasy world. That's what the game used to be. Now it's, let me make sure I'm re-recruiting my team. Let me make sure I'm up to date on the NIL game and familiarizing myself with that. Of course, you've got your standard recruiting that you've always got to do, but there are like five or six different buckets that have been dumped into your time allocation that you've got to fill with portions of your time. They don't get to coach anymore. The last thing some of these guys do is coach their guys. And they're tired of it. And I would be too. So the answer in your mind could either be, well, tough, move along. We'll fill your spot. Yeah, there's no shortage of guys who want to coach football. Are there enough of them who are qualified that you'd be happy with at your program? The answer is no, whether you think so or not. The answer is no. You could be that way. Or B, you could say, hey, it doesn't have to be the case. So let me tell you something. It may sound a little doom and gloomish when I talk like this. Guys, we got the best sport in the world. We've got the Lamborghini. It's just covered in graffiti right now. We're not taking it to the scrapyard. It would be one thing if we had a sport that sucked and we were trying to dress it up with gimmicks to try and draw you in and trick you into watching. That's not college football's problem. College football is the greatest sport on the face of the earth. It's just covered in crap. It's like a flower in a landfill right now. Don't kill the flower. Clean up the landfill. That's all people like me are trying to say. And if part of that is overhauling or fixing the college football calendar or fixing the structure of the sport, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying do it anyway. It's difficult. Do it anyway. It, it's, it's JFK talking about going to the moon. We don't choose to do it because it's easy. We choose to do it because it's hard. And I'm not going to give the speech and my JFK impression sucks. But nevertheless, this is the greatest sport in the world even with all of the garbage going on around it. It's still must-see. I just want it to be at its best. I never take for granted that this thing will be here forever. And I don't know about you. Well, I, I do know about you. Most of you don't make a living doing this. I'd love to keep making a living doing this. It's really fun to just have to sit behind a mic and a white t-shirt a few days out of the week and talk about what I would be talking about for free anyway. I know, because I used to work jobs where this is all we talked about all day. So yeah. That's how I feel about that. Let us move on. We have yet another 
Not a bold prediction per se, although I guess this kind of is a bold prediction. I have some things to say about it, though. Let me take a sip from the chalice. First one of the night. And thank you guys for watching. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's what I need you to do. Subscribe to the pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, Colin, do we have a tweet for Ryan Day? Yeah, we do. All right. So, um, it's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long, long year with this. We had someone hit us up and say they think the biggest story of 2024 is Ryan Day is let go after spending record levels of money on NIL, I guess is what they're talking about. But let's just drill down on this because you're not alone. Whomstever you are, you're not alone. A lot of people think this is going to happen. It's become the most common refrain that I've heard from the hater crowd in early portions of January and February, and that is, uh-oh, Ryan Day had the audacity to go try and make his roster better. He's screwed now. In no other world does that make sense, but this is college football. So you're trying to rationalize the irrational already. What they mean is the guy's lost three years in a row to Michigan, right? Right. And he had won the Big, Champ- Big Ten Championship three years in a row, right? Right. And uh, he hadn't won a national title, right? Right. Okay, so if he's already not getting it done, now he's loading up on all his talent, and they're going all in, pushing the chips to the middle of the table. Harbaugh, their chief rival, they lost his head coach. He's got to win a title this year, or he's done. Well, no, he's not. But I want to ask you, if you do believe that, tell me exactly how it happens. What is the record in this scenario? Does it, is it if you lose a game, you're fired? Is it the scene and Remember the Titans? Is it Herman Boone out there throwing up before the first game of the year because it's lose a game, they'll fire you? Is that what the case is? I don't think so. Some of you do. If it's the Michigan game he loses, some of you think that's it. He's fired. Ohio State is the envy of 98% of this sport. Do you understand that? And that includes with your head coach, who I still think is one of the best in the game. But you are the envy of like 98% of the sport. And instead of realizing that, I got some folks who are saying, no, it's worth risking it all to chase that top 2%, not realizing that, by the way, he is the one who could get you there. He had you there last year. The, the, the field goal that is not against Georgia, the difference in one kick off of one foot is the difference in you going and body bagging TCU and Ryan Day being called national championship winning head coach Ryan Day. And none of this foolishness would be said, but it is. And I understand and appreciate the passion in this sport. I understand that in a roundabout way, that's what makes our sport great, that sometimes it's irrational. And that creates this this unbalanced, sometimes unhinged passion and rabid excitement for games and for teams and for coaches. And I, I love it and I appreciate it, but I don't always have to agree with it. And I don't agree with this. I think Ryan Day is a stud. I think who he is as a head coach is still evolving. I think what a Ryan Day team is, is still evolving. I think what an Ohio State program is under Ryan Day is still evolving. You didn't see him go heavy in NIL once upon a time. Now they are. You used to see him win by scoring firework offense style. They won defensively several times last year. This will be the best defense they fielded under Ryan Day. They could be a defensive-oriented team again this year. Well, that's not what a Ryan Day team was a few years ago. Things change. He's a young head coach still. 
He's not 55 years old. He's still young. He's still evolving. In 2030, if he's still there, I guarantee you one thing. I don't know what it'll be, but I guarantee you, you'll look at him in 2030 and say, remember when he was fill in the blank in 21 or 22? Wow, what a far cry we are from that. You know how I know that's likely? Because we said it about Nick Saban and he was the best of all time. We said it about Saban and his program never fell from being either 1 or 1A at any given point in his run after the first couple of years. And he redefined everything. He reinvented everything about his program. So I never think that you have these guys nailed down because the best ones are impossible to nail down because the hallmark of the best is they evolve. But I don't mean they're not good. I think Ryan Day is really good. So it's, it's hard to win championships is my point. Anybody who goes into a season, short of, of Nolensville Little League down here, or as I like to call them, Nolensville IMG, a Little League team who fired their head coach recently because, uh, well, I'll let you go read the article because it's Little League Baseball. But short of that, I do not ever buy into the concept that in a sport as competitive as college football, you enter into a season saying national championship or you're fired. That's insanity. That is totally insane. They're watching us in Bradenton, Florida, Jefferson, Georgia, and San Jose, California. Thank you guys so much. Now, speaking of that conference, Colin, that's not a good endpoint, so start it here. The Big Ten's expanding, man. They're adding four teams this year. And we were sitting around the office earlier today thinking, wait a second, they don't all just start at the bottom and have to work their way up. So if we, if we set the current hierarchy in program terms of the Big Ten, where do these new teams fit in? Are they in Tier 1? Are they in Tier 4? Is there a Tier 5 in the Big Ten? Oregon. I think it's the best program that's entering the Big Ten. They're in the most powerful position. Um, I think they're at or near the top of the conference. I think program-wise, you got a couple of them that have dominated for a while, Ohio State, Michigan. I think if you were to go 2024 moving forward, you can make the argument Ohio State's program may be in a little bit better spot than Michigan right now. But we don't know what Sharon Moore's Michigan's going to be. So let's just say you got a couple of them in Tier 1. Oregon's not taking the back seat to these teams, guys. Oregon is a tier one team in the Big Ten as they enter this conference. The program is humming. They, they're coming off back-to-back top 10 classes. This upcoming class will be the best I think they've ever signed there. Uh, they are also leaning very heavily into that transfer portal. We were talking about Ohio State and how effective they've been. Oregon's right there with them. And Oregon's another one of those teams where I love to mention the can't culture, not to be confused with cancel culture. Can't culture is that kind of culture that if I say something on this show like Oregon could win the national championship this year, I'm going to have a healthy amount in the can't culture society come at me and say, Dan Lanny can't win a title. Dan Lanny can't even win a playoff game. Dan Lanny can't even make it. Well, he hasn't made it. That's what I was talking about the other night, by the way. Not your program. Your current head coach hasn't won a playoff game, which I thought was pretty clear, but apparently it wasn't. Um, Yes, he can. He just hasn't. Yes, they can. They just haven't. And so this coming year, you're going to hear it about Oregon. Doesn't matter how hot they start, and I'm telling you they're going to start hot because they got a very workable schedule. They are going to be on a roll, and you're going to have part of the country that's impressed with them, and you're going to have uh, another part of the country that says, oh, they'll blow it in the playoff. They'll blow it in the, big, in the uh, big Ten championship game if they get there. Or if Ohio State beats them October 12th in Eugene, which I would imagine is a game we'll be at if I have to look into October. People will say, can't win the big one. Dan Lanny can't win the big one. Well, all righty. 
I think his program is about as good as you'll find in the Big Ten in year one in the Big Ten. I have a lot of confidence in how they'll fit in. Now, someone I have just a little bit less confidence in right now is USC and Lincoln Riley. Where will USC fit in the Big Ten pecking order? I think they're like a tier three program when they walk in there. Now, granted, I'm talking about maybe if you got Oregon, Ohio State tier one, if you called Michigan tier two, Penn State tier two, however you want to divide that up. It doesn't mean there's a ton of teams ahead of them, a ton of programs ahead of them. But USC is not on those levels. USC is not on the level of Penn State right now. They're not on the level of Ohio State. They're not on the level of Oregon. They're not on the level of Michigan as a program. I mean, I got concerns about them. I got concerns because I don't know if this is going to work. Lincoln Riley, to his credit, he made big moves on his defensive staff. And he brought in uh, De'Anton Lynn, who was the DC down at UCLA, new linebacker coach, new DBs coach. But more importantly, he vocalized a new philosophy. Wonderful. I told you at the time, I loved everything he said. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know. If I believe that Ryan Day can reinvent his program, like I said a few minutes ago, I got to believe that Lincoln Riley can. I got to at least give him a shot. But it's tough to learn on the fly in a conference like the Big Ten. It's tough to try and find yourself physically in the Big Ten. That's the kind of conference that finds you and exposes you physically. And I'm not just talking about the big boys. I mean, you got a random Saturday where. Purdue could make you look foolish. Um, Wisconsin make you look foolish. If you're not up to par physically on the lines of scrimmage, uh, there's no limit to how embarrassed you could be on a given Saturday in the Big Ten. So look, selfishly, I hope it's changing for the better. And here's what's weird about Lincoln Riley and USC. It's very rare to say a guy entering year three deserves a lot of patience. And you, you can decide how you want to decipher this or, or how you want to view this. I am looking at Lincoln Riley this year as being in year one at USC because I think that for better or for worse, what USC is moving forward based on the changes he's trying to make will be like a year one product. It's different. I mean, they, they are admitting we're going to do things differently. We're going to have things done a lot differently. We're going to think a lot differently. And I, he's three years in, but I think they've realized the way we used to do it, the way we tried to do it the first two years, that will not work in the Big Ten. And so we may fail doing it the new way, but we were definitely going to fail doing it that way. So you may see a lot of year one struggle about that program this year, even though it's in year three under current leadership. Doesn't mean it couldn't work. Just means I'd be surprised if it worked big time for him this year. Washington, same thing, man. Tier three. I think it's terrible timing for them to be joining a new conference. The program's committed, though. That's very, very important because we haven't always said that about Washington athletics up there to this degree. Uh, they offered DeBoer a huge sum of money to stay. And when he was up there, I was listening to him with Adam Brenneman the other day. Uh, Brenneman went up there. He was ahead of the curve on this, man. Had a full sit down with DeBoer. And Kalen DeBoer was talking about how many yeses he was getting at Washington and how all-in that administration was, president on down. And that doesn't change. Jed Fish is in there. He's going to enjoy that now. That doesn't change, but it's a tough time to be transitioning because of what just happened to the program. You're not losing. No one's losing 20 of 22 starters off a championship team and just rolling merrily along. 
I mean, talent factories like Georgia wouldn't roll merely along. They've got to be smart, too, regarding talent. they got to be smart with the way they try and recruit. Washington cannot recruit like Oregon does. Two totally different entities. So they've got to be a much smarter program with the way they approach talent acquisition. UCLA, uh, probably close to the bottom of the barrel right now. As we came on the air, there have been multiple headlines just today about Chip Kelly looking to get out of there, trying to get NFL offensive coordinator jobs. Uh, It felt like 2023 was the show me year under them. To me, uh, I thought they were a dark horse to make the conference title game. They started fast. They went eight and five. Was not a terrible year. Uh, They had a good defense. It just, they kind of faltered down the stretch. Quarterback health was a concern. They aren't getting players like you need to get to compete in the Big Ten. And it doesn't feel like there's a lot of continuity. It, It doesn't feel like there's a lot of, There's a lot of uh, synergy within the program and within the booster culture, the administrative culture, and you cannot stumble into the Big Ten. You can't. It's not going to work that way. So I feel like, man, however many tiers there are in the Big Ten, you got to put UCLA probably down there towards tier four right now and just hope for the best. Let's move on. Hate to say it. Hate to say it that way. Uh, let's go with this one. I I got a DM earlier and it was not a hateful DM, but it was a sharp one. And it was someone saying, you know, you don't talk about LSU enough. I thought to myself, he's right. He's absolutely right. And for those who know this show all the way back to its humble beginnings in Columbus, Georgia, that 2019 season was magical for LSU. Joe Burrow, Ed O and the boys. But it was magical for us, too, because we were heavy on LSU in the summer. When everyone else was touting Alabama, we were picking LSU. And then we made ourselves look like geniuses. and We kind of rode the wave with LSU. Next thing you know, we wind up here. So we owe it to LSU. We owe it to our people down there in the boot. So Jeff hit us up from New Orleans. He said, what do you expect from Brian Kelly and LSU next year? I love this question because one of my current hottest takes is had LSU been a top 35 defense this past year, they would have won the national title. I told you it's a pretty hot take, but I do believe it. I I very much believe it. They had three losses. They gave up 40 or more in all those losses. Who was it, Jesse? It was Bama. It was Ole Miss and it was FSU at the beginning of the year. Total, total helplessness defensively, like men versus boys. And I got to be honest with you, I don't know that they've got the personnel this year defensively to make it look any better, but I think it will look better because I think LSU, and I want to be specific on that, LSU just made some really sizable defensive moves. I told you the other night, I thought Kevin Peoples, even with Bo Davis coming in and even with Blake Baker coming in as the DC, big names, I thought Kevin Peoples Uh, may be the most effective pound-for-pound defensive coach that they've brought in. I think extremely highly of him. All our numbers back it up. Kevin Peoples, rising star. But forget that, because all those guys are big-time upgrades over what they've had. This isn't choir practice, okay? So when I say they made moves, that doesn't mean everybody in the building looks and says, all right, we're all on board. Yeah, we're all on board. Uh, A new player personnel moves. Are we all on board? Sometimes people aren't on board. But you know what? Everybody has butting of heads 
inside their athletic department. The, the teams that lose have it. The teams that win have it. As long as everyone has the same end goal in mind, disagreement's not the worst thing in the world. Okay, so you, you, you tout one guy, I tout the other guy. We go hire who we hire. But once they're in here, they're in the foxhole with us. And as long as they're all fighting and they're all pushing in the same direction, we're good. We don't have to be best friends, but we can be good. I think a little of that's going on at LSU. And yet I still think they'll be okay at the end of the day. Now, they got the sixth best odds to win the college football playoff this upcoming year, and that's being in the SEC. I mean, if they were in another conference, they may have higher odds because they'd be you know, more favored to win the conference. They have the fourth best odds to win the SEC and the sixth best odds to win the whole thing this upcoming year. They are a top 10 recruiter since Brian Kelly's been there. They are portaling very well over the last three classes. I don't know that the caliber of defensive personnel this year will be at the level they need it to be to compete for a national title. But you know what? This time last year, we were looking, and granted, we circled the DBs as it did everyone as a potential red flag. Brian Kelly came on this show and said, yeah, I, I think it's fair to call that a red flag. Just brutal honesty from the head coach at LSU. And you know what? He was honest and he was right because it hurt them all year. Um, you still got the post-spring portal window. Like, let's see what they do. But I think these defensive moves they made will, will at least have a different effort, a different caliber of LSU defense on the field. Now, is it going to be a top 10 unit? No, probably not. But they got some really good players there. And you know what I always think of anytime my, my mind is going that direction? I think about just go back any given year. Like, go back last year. Look at the top 25 defenses in the country. There are going to be several teams in that top 25 you look at and say, that team right there doesn't have nearly the personnel LSU does. That team right there doesn't have nearly the personnel LSU. So my point is, it is possible. It is possible to scale performance using the same ingredients that, that made a meal last year that you didn't like the taste of at all. You get the right teachers, get the right coaches in the room. And they took uh, gigantic leaps towards doing that. I just showed you those odds because we are partners with FanDuel and we get access to those. FanDuel is the exclusive odds provider of Late Kick. I got an itch on the end of my nose. And it's really aggravating. And, and live production means that I just have to scratch it on air. Um, FanDuel has nothing to do with that. In fact, the odds were probably overwhelming that I didn't scratch my nose on air live tonight. Uh, but if you were live betting this on FanDuel and you hit yes a couple of minutes ago, you just made yourself some money. So they've already got the odds out for the national championship this upcoming year. You just saw they had the odds for the SEC championship this upcoming year. Now, here's what can get fun. We haven't gotten to spring practice yet. So if you're paying attention every day in spring practice, if you've got your ear to the ground over on go247.com and you're reading the practice reports and you, you have circled in your mind two huge question marks that you think will be the difference in whether LSU goes 8-4 and four versus whether they win the title, and you start liking what you're hearing, you can get a jump in the odds market. Because I can promise you 98% of the college football betting public is not paying attention in spring. But if you are, you can get yourself in really good position. And even if you want to buy some of that back later in the fall, you can do it. FanDuel's the place. You bet $5 right now, by the way, you get 150 in bonus bets. That could be on the Super Bowl. That could be on a random, you know, um, Sacramento State basketball game. Elon. Big SoCon guy, NC Wilmington, big SoCon guy. Uh, do it. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. 
FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This man, don't be doing it at a Cincinnati Reds game. And don't be trying to get down $15,000 on college baseball games. And don't be showing the person at the window the inside information you have. You don't know what I'm talking about? Go find the Alabama baseball betting story and the details that came out with that today. If I were making a Netflix special about this, it wouldn't pass. We had Matthew McConaughey on this show three years ago. And I flat out told him, you did, a, you did a movie with Al Pacino once upon a time called Two for the Money. I told him, gambling has now been legalized. Sports betting is legalized. You guys, you just, you did True Detective? I loved it. Go grab, go grab Pacino. Go, 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 is he still alive? I think he is. Go grab whoever you can. Make Two for the Money an entire series. And thus far, he has not taken me up on that. But if you did that, and you made an episode where a college baseball coach knew that his starting pitcher was going to be out for tonight. So he texted a buddy, hey, bet the other team before I have to announce this. And then the buddy went to a betting window at a Major League Baseball game, because they have those now in some stadiums, and said, I want to get thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars down on this game. And they said, sir, we'll let you bet 15000 What is it you want to bet on? I want to bet LSU baseball tonight. What? Yeah, LSU baseball. Quote, if you only knew what I knew. And then I show the guy at the window the text message. If I submitted that for a script, they would shoot it down and they would say, that's too stupid to be believable. All that really happened. If you don't believe me, go read it. It's out. It's all over the place today. Go read it. Cannot believe that's real. All right. uh, Last thing that I wanted to hit on the show tonight has to do with our fine friends in the state of Oklahoma. Don from Oklahoma City said, is Brent Venables being undervalued? He's recruiting better than Lincoln Riley. He has stabilized the program after the 6-7 and seven disaster. He's got all his best players on defense returning next year, and Jackson Arnold's upside is limitless. Well, Don, I think there is a limit on Jackson Arnold's upside, but the upside is immense. But you know what? He may be right on this. So first off, I need you to tell me, what is the value? What is the defined value? If he's undervalued, What is the value? And the best I can tell, people may still be sleeping on Brent Venables. So it's a whole new year this year. They go into the SEC. Let's test the theory. Don said he's recruiting better than Lincoln Riley. Is he? 
Yes, he is. So check mark number one. They recruited in like the the 10 to 15 range on average under Lincoln Riley. They're now in the 5 to 10 range annually under Brenton Venables. And they've got top portal classes each of the past two cycles. So yes, they're acquiring talent at a better clip. Did he stabilize the program? Absolutely. Massive check mark yes there. I mean, they went, they went what, six and seven was it in the first year? And they went 10 and three this past year. They got blanked 49 to nothing against Texas two years ago and beat them this past year. We were there. We saw it happen. So yes, you're right about that. Jackson Arnold, the quarterback, comes in this year to start. He played in the bowl game. They got a ton returning on defense. Yes, check, check. All that's true. Yeah, he may be being slept on. And you know good and well Texas is going to take up a lot more oxygen in the room than Oklahoma is when they first walk in because of what Texas just did. And, and there'll be sky-high expectations for the Longhorns. Maybe there should be a little higher expectation. I've got questions about their O-line. They're replacing both coordinators. They're 17th in the overall playoff odds to win the whole thing. Like I said with FanDuel, though, if you're looking at that odds market and you think you got a read on Oklahoma, you think maybe that offensive line situation is not as bad as it's being made out to be, well, go bet them. Go bet them. At the very least, you'll get them at good money right now. But overall, just speaking long-term, bigger picture, you may be right. Maybe Brent Venables is being slept on a little bit. There you go. It's February 1st. So we're on the record as saying it. Appreciate you guys as always. Make sure you're following at Late Kick Josh, Instagram, Twitter. We'll be back Sunday night. I just, I always get a sneaking suspicion this time of year that breaking news is right around the corner. If you, if you saw the rumors that are flying around any given day right now in the sport, you're just sitting around waiting, okay, which one of them's real? Which one of them's going any given moment public? You're kind of paranoid about it. It's tough. I can't even go eat lunch right now. I can't work out without looking at the eye, Josh. And all right, uh, is that fake? Is that real? So, yeah, at Late Kick Josh, make sure you're following everywhere that you can possibly follow. We're back Sunday. We're back. Normal show this Sunday. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great start to your weekend. And God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts 
or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.